for me, that's the pain of multi-repositories, that people are really disconnected in ways that are completely unnecessary. I'd rather default to being together. And if it's painful, then we'll figure it out, you know? You are listening to The Known Unknowns with Henrik and William. Producer, Florence Dabane. In this episode, we're going to dive into some specifics. So we're moving away from philosophical, organizational discussions and uh, into some more nitty-gritty technical details. Right. And the thing we're going to cover in this episode is uh, mono-repositories. So first and foremost, William, because when it comes to, to repositories in general and mono-repositories in uh, particular, uh, you're the go-to guy here. So you have to explain to me now, what is a mono-repository? And what is the difference between a mono-repository and a monolith? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good question. So uh, let me just preface with that, you know, it's it's not, um, I don't think monorepositories is a, like a one size fits all thing. I don't think everyone should move to one. Uh, but yes, I have been probably the one of the few who have been driving that in our organization. Um, uh, so the difference between uh, monolithic, uh, well, anything, uh, and a monorepository is um, well. A monolith is, is usually uh, consists of this large. You're betting on a certain tech stack, maybe, um, and you're putting all of these things together, and you're building just this giant thing out of it. Your 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 goal is to go fast uh, to deliver something quick. You don't uh, necessarily care about setting, uh, too many boundaries between different teams and their application code and, and so on and so on. Uh, so you create this monolith as everyone, many people may be familiar with that, but that's, that's my take on it. Uh, and a monorepository is, uh, it's really just, uh, a better word for it could perhaps be a, a multi-package repository because that's, that's more what it actually is. So you have a, uh, uh, a repository that it doesn't have this. I mean, normally in in uh, at least in the front end world, uh, but in in other places as well, you have this. You have one repository, so therefore you have one something in it, uh, some type of module, like an npm module or a, you know what what have you in in the Java world and and so on. Uh, and and that's been like the the way people do things in the open source community. So people copy that a lot into the corporate world, where you have one repository for one thing, one service gets one one repository, one repository, and then you have tons of repositories, and you're going through them, and you're like, yeah, these are all uh, very isolated. They they meet the need of what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, and that all sounds great until you reach uh, maybe uh, uh, at some point a level where you have to do something manually to all of these repositories. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And that's that's maybe the weakness of, 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 of a regular repository. And that's maybe one of the things where a mono repository could, could come in because you put all the packages in, in one repository. Yeah. And you can do all the things at the same time. And I guess that's also uh, a good way to... To really, uh, really explain and express what a monorepository is, uh, 
is to compare it with its opposite, its opposite counterpart. And um, now, sin- since mono repositories has become a thing uh, in the last couple of years or so, last five years, I don't know. But uh, we've come to talk about uh, regular repositories as poly uh, repositories. And just to be very clear here, for everyone who isn't as tech savvy as you, William, or other developers, uh, a repository is basically a place where you store all of your code for a project right. or, or software or whatever. Uh, so, and the way you usually do this um, is sort of independent on, on the size of the, the company. But, but of course, for enterprise uh, companies or like middle-sized companies, you... you um, uh, tend to have quite a lot of of different repositories dealing with very specific things, and uh, yeah. yeah, I really like the the um, the new term you just coined, multi-package repository. Yeah, I mean it's it's more it's more accurate and it, it it's more self-explanatory. A mono repository that that sounds like you're you're taking the monorail <laughs> and you're uh you you don't you don't really know what it means. You go uh, solo. N- yeah. It's, like it. it's, yeah, it it's just not it doesn't explain things very well and I, I think people have been trying to come up with terms that work. Um polyrepo approach which is having many repositories is also it's not really a well-known term either. Um, I, I don't think it. I don't think we need a, 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 maybe a, a better term than monorepositories. Enough people know what it is, and that's fine with me. Uh, but if I if we were to go back and you know naming things are hard, uh, multi-package repository is much more clear uh, in, in from my perspective. And regard, re- regardless of the term, monorepository or multi-package repository. Uh, what would you say is the use case of a monorepository? Why should you use a monorepository instead of a multi-repository or poly-repository? Mm. So I, I have this uh, elevator pitch for it uh, because th- there are a lot of discussions to be had. Um, but my, my I think my favorite one is um, in the open source community, it's very common to have one repository for one purpose. Um, there are exceptions, uh, like in the you know the the framework communities, uh, the Vue uh, framework. They have a bunch of tooling, and they actually put all of that, uh, at least the centrally maintained ones, in a mono repository. So there are exceptions, but um, when you picture the open source community, you usually have all these repositories everywhere. And as soon as something needs to be done, there's always people willing to do something. Uh, you have this large army of developers who can say, oh, we're we're off by one here. We need to upgrade this dependency in this particular package here. Uh, I can do that. Uh, and then they create a pull request uh, and then they uh, it gets merged in. You have all these developers. And not only that, but you also have uh, a pretty decent uh, automation around these sort of menial tasks, like upgrading dependencies. Or, uh, I mean, sometimes there are maybe regressions happening. Uh, maybe you have package A, package B, and package A relies on B. Then there was a change in B. Someone fixes A, 
for you. I mean, that's that's kind of the beauty of open source. Like everyone's helping out. And having many small repositories, that can be a, a good way to encourage people to help out because that makes the scope a lot smaller. Uh, and we we tend to want to copy that to the to other places, uh, including non-open source uh, communities, like inside of a company. Uh, but when, what ends up happening, what I've seen a lot, is that people create all these repositories and then no one really maintains them. Uh, they, they get, the dependencies get stale. Uh, people don't know they even exist. Uh, things just uh, get outdated. Uh, and we are developers. We're usually very solution-oriented, uh, at, at least uh, maybe not only developers, but we, we like to make something. If we don't see that something is there, we'll make it. Uh, and if so if we don't see all these repositories scattered around a company uh, in, a, in a good way, then we're probably not going to be using them and they're probably going to go old. Uh, and that's why uh, a modern repository can help, uh, first of all, keep all your stuff up to date because you can do some central uh, governance uh, in various ways. Uh, and, and, and hence, you can get a better overview, potentially get a better overview of all the code that you have inside of the company you can basically sort of you know uh, you can you can make the forest a bit smaller <laughs> you don't have to get lost in all the repositories in your company anymore you can actually uh maybe get a, a better overview i mean depending on how you implement it but the, the, the pitch is that you don't have a thousand developers who can help you with all your tiny repositories. Uh, you're going to have to do all that work yourself if you need to upgrade something across all of them uh, or maybe install a, install a bot or something. Mm. But a modern repository is, um, it can be much more uh, helpful to keep things together and run a tight ship. It's also it's quite interesting the things you mentioned here about open source, and I guess maybe it's only for for like third party projects. But when it comes to to uh, open open source software, open source solutions, uh, people tend to to actually recommend multi repositories in order to ensure that like third party developers that they only have access to that particular project they're working on. Yeah, that that's. I mean, Git was never designed to be uh, a permissions-based solution. Uh, mm. So, if you have access to a repository uh, out of the box, you'll have access to everything in that repository. Um, there may be solutions which deal with encryption and, and such, but it's um, it, it's yeah. That that's one limitation. That mm. if you want to go open source, you might not want to open source your mono repository inside of your company. Hmm. Uh, on the other hand, you you might want to create an open source mono repository uh, next to your, your other one. That's totally fine. Yeah, uh, now you mentioned another... another mono repository. No, an <laughs> another <laughs> mono repository. No, now you mentioned another common limitation that are often uh, pointed out. So I'm going to read this statement for you. And... Uh, and I'm going to ask you to, to sort, of, sort of validate or invalidate this statement. And this statement is about Git projects. And it says, managing a monorepository at scale in Git would never work. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> what so what is scale here yeah. uh let me <laughs> let me invalidate what it could mean it, it, it's mm, i think um so first of all uh i'll just throw this out in case nobody knows uh but uh, google is one of the companies who actually use a, a mono repository they actually call it I don't know if they still call it that, but they call they used to call it a monolithic code repository. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a very interesting choice of words. Um, but um, I, it depends, right? So most companies uh, would probably like to think that yeah, we deal with scale, like we we need large scale solutions. Um, we work at a fairly large company, you and me, Henrik, mm. um, and I. My experience so far hasn't been that, yeah, we're running into scaling issues with Git. Someone told me something really useful recently, <laughs> actually, regarding this. And that is, well, you know, Git was designed to handle the, the, the Linux kernel, right? Mm. So that's millions of lines of code, uh, if not more. I, I can't remember it to be precise. Uh, but the thing is, you you probably your code base is probably not going to exceed the Linux <laughs> kernel, uh, which means that you're probably not going to run into these issues anytime soon. You know, mm. so I, I I want to invalidate the statement, but mm, at the same time, um, yeah, I, I think I want to invalidate it all the way because when you run into issues for. Uh, when when you need a Git repository that's really really large, uh, uh, there are solutions like Git LFS, uh, which is short for large file system, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and then apart, I mean, when you go from there, you you there's also cloud based versions which you can use to uh, make the the files not even present on your hard drive uh, when you check out the Git repository. Um, I think those solutions have definitely have their downsides. I'm not saying that they are, you know, the perfect thing to to level up to. Uh, they might have some trade offs, but most people aren't going to go. They're they're not going to have those issues, and, and I haven't had these issues myself either. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's yeah. I, I think I'd like to invalidate that, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think I can guess where it comes from as well. There are a couple of articles that are really against monorepositories. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've read those <laughs> several times over. Huh. And I'm like, why? It's so provocative. Like, it's so against. And I'm just like, to each his own, right? <laughs> yeah. But they're fascinating. I, I like those articles, and I love that they exist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm. A, I actually. Uh, uh, I've read quite a few of them as well, <laughs> sort of to do some research uh, for for this particular episode. And uh, one, I, I really like this one because it's, I mean, it, it's, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty provocative in a sense that you know it's super negative again. Uh, it's super ne negative towards monorepositories, and and the. You might have have read this one as well. the The title is "Monorepos, Please Don't," <laughs> and it's. Uh, I thought that's the one you were referencing. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, not at first. No, okay, um, mm -hmm. but well, that's the that's the one I always think of, like yeah. the one "Please Don't." And um, and the funny yeah. thing is that you actually you uh, you touch upon 
one of the things here. Uh, like you stated this large file system, for example, because uh, pretty early on in this article, the uh, author uh, states that it, it, in, in, in his opinion, it quickly becomes unreasonable for a single developer to have the entire repository on their machine and then continues to describe these what, what you need to in order to to uh, make this uh, uh, reasonable so to speak uh, and states that you need some type of virtual file system and you need sophisticated source code indexing because uh, no individual developer is going to have all code in a searchable state uh, and then he he continues by saying, is there any real difference between checking out a portion of the tree via a virtual file system or checking out multiple repositories? There is no difference. That's his statement. <laughs> is there no difference, William? Do you, do you feel inclined to disagree? Yeah, um, so... The, the main reason why I think monorepositories has been working so well in our organization is because if you have a bunch of repositories, uh, you know, whatever you have, if you have a bunch of code, um, at, in some place you would want to have uh, central tooling, central, some, some type of um, cent central things that help you take care of menial tasks and things that are, you know, generally helpful, like security reports and, um, you know, maybe taking care of dependencies for you or running uh, perhaps tests where needed so you don't break things on the website you didn't intend to break. Um, and I think you could you could put all of those things on a, on a central level. You could put that somewhere else. You don't need to have one repository uh, and run all those or like support all those things from that repository you could let that be uh perhaps some on an integration level on in your you know on your provider for 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 uh, repositories like say github uh, bitbucket gitlab etc mm -hmm. um you could you could even have you could even have another repository <laughs> that's responsible for looking at all the other repositories uh, I that would work as well. Um, the, there are APIs that you usually can use to the the code, uh, you know, managing systems uh, like yeah, for example, GitHub and, and such. Um, but it's the thing is, it's that's not less work. Uh, and from what I've seen, if you're gonna go with uh, centralizing things that should make your life convenient, you usually have to, you know, kind of roll your own. Mm. Uh, you're using all these different systems and you need to integrate with them somehow. I mean, GitHub is, is yeah, GitHub is huge, but again, like, not everyone's using GitHub. Um, you're using um, maybe a different testing framework uh, than another company. Uh, you're using a different framework. Um you're supporting different browsers. There, there, there's all these things that you need to sort of tie together. Mm. And the way I see it, when you have multiple repositories, it doesn't make it easier. Um, but you can still you can still do it for sure. Um, and this, the statement that he makes 
uh, I mean, it's it's valid in one way. You there's not much of a difference when it comes to multi repositories, uh, but you're gonna have a different set of challenges. So you're gonna have to integrate better with uh, with your code provider, uh, and that's not always an option for a company. Uh, so a mono repository gives you it can give you a, a way to, to do things that you really want to centralize. Like, say, I really want to run tests for all the affected projects uh, when I ship something. That's actually fairly easy to do in a monorepository. Sure, you'll get some other challenges uh, with a monorepository, but um, I wouldn't say that one is better than the other in that sense. Um, mm. Except you know, I, I I'm I'm just you know I can give you like a, my personal experience is whenever you join a company, it's always you know it, it's it's fairly common to have all these repositories, and then you're like, okay, how does all how do all these repositories work? Like, how do we manage dependencies, and how do we how do we make our life convenient for developers? And the answer is usually. You know, yeah, we haven't really gotten to that part yet. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, we'll get there. For now, we do yeah. it manually. It's We've like, only oh, been okay. around 400 or so years. So we're, we're getting yeah. there slowly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someday someone will take care of it. And and I'm like, yeah, you know, that, that I, it's it's a real bore to go through a bunch of repositories to do a really menial task, trust me. And it, mm. it literally takes time for developers to take care of this. Uh, so it, it's not. I'm not a fan of that. And when there, it's a modern repository, so, I mean, I've seen this happen as well. Like, there's a monorepository, and I'm like, hey, the build times are really slow. <laughs> are we going to fix that? <laughs> and then someone says, yeah, we just haven't gotten around to it yet, you know. Uh, and I think for both of these cases, there's a, there's a point to be made here for, you know, the pain. You know, if you feel a lot of pain, you want to fix it. Uh, you want to do something about the, the, the pain that you're feeling. Uh, in my experience, it's been easier to deal with the pain inside of a monorepository because you can always make some tooling inside the monorepository itself. So it's easier for a lot of developers to chip in. Mm. When you have a multi multi-repository approach, it's always sort of that, you know, I'm the expert in these three repositories. Now I need to fix something that's really painful for, say, my test suite, which is in this other repository somewhere else. Uh, and we all know how good we are at documentation, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> obviously, uh, it's going to be really painful for me to go to that repository and fix the pain I was originally having. And that that's, you know, that's just natural. So as a developer, I might just say, hey, you know, I, I can deal with these build times or whatever it is for, for a while longer. Someone might take care of it eventually. But, you know, on the other side of the fence where there's experts on that other repository, uh, they might not even know that this issue exists, right? Because <laughs> yeah. they're running a different repository. Uh, so that that's for me, that's the pain of multi-repositories, that people are really disconnected in ways that are completely unnecessary. I'd rather default to being together. And yeah. if it's painful, then we'll figure it out, you know? And this is also one of the one of the key things uh, mm -hmm. that is typically uh, highlighted when when talking about mono repositories, uh, except for the for the fact that you want a single source of truth, and as you know, William, I'm a I'm a big fan of single source uh, or single sources of truth, and mm -hmm. 
also like uh, you want to share and use reuse code e- easily those are are pretty common of course very typical highlights but the one and the one that resonates most with myself is if you want teams to collaborate more then monorepositories is uh, a good way to to do that and also like you mentioned google we also have companies like facebook and twitter uh, just to name a, a few more famous uh, large companies working with mono repositories, and Google, when when people at Google who made the the decision to to work with a mono repository and also scale the the mono repository they're using, uh, when asked why, uh, they basically stated that because using a mono repository is key to an open and collaborative culture. There it is again, culture, William. We just mm. can't, mm. <laughs> we just can't <laughs> re- uh, have an episode where we don't talk about culture. But anyway, <laughs> uh, this uh, like this... ping pong tables and the and the foosball tables. <laughs> yeah. What's the best? That's that's the culture that we need to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah, and and uh, so this is typically uh, a benefit that is often highlighted from people who recommend monorepositories. People who are pro mono repositories and again of course uh the the author of this uh, infamous uh, article we referenced uh, matt klein is his name by the way um he's an engineer at lyft and um he basically yeah he he, he uh doesn't really <laughs> uh yeah it doesn't resonate with him when it comes to the easier collaboration and, and code sharing um as well and uh i think it's it's uh sort of of um uh the same uh, the same um argument for for like uh exposing developers to to just a subsection of, of or subsections of uh code so in his uh in his in his opinion the the uh efficiency of collaboration and code sharing has everything to do with engineering culture and nothing to do with code storage and uh if if i were to just make a, a, a um you know sort of trying to to invalidate i mean it's true that when it comes to collaboration it has to do with culture uh, first and foremost everything it, it, but but you know the same could be said about anything we do everything when it comes to to collaboration and uh, knowledge sharing, code sharing, whatever it is, it always boils down to culture. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's always ways to escape the defaults. Yes, right. You can, you can, you can have a, a monorepository, and I mean, if it's really painful to deal with all the other things in the repository and just to share things with other teams then you're just not going to do that. You're just going to create, uh, say, a new package in the repository. Uh, I mean, I, I have seen cases where, I mean, for example, <laughs> there was uh, three different, uh, like for, for UI, for front-end, there was uh, three components made that all were supposed to display tabs. Uh, and that's, I mean, they could have uh, perhaps boiled it down to maybe two components. They looked a bit different. But the irony was that they were working working on these tabs uh, sort of at the same time so they didn't you know their default in the culture was not to look around and think oh i wonder if anyone else is doing a tab uh, implementation right now 
their default was, you know, we're going to roll it ourselves. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, it, it comes down to culture. And I, I think uh, a modern repository can, can, it doesn't save the world here. It doesn't do everything for you, but it does make it a little bit easier because you can, you can create overview in a way that you normally can't with all these uh, repositories. I mean, saying that though, there, there are services which are emerging, which have been emerging. Uh, one is called Bit, for example. Mm. Uh, that one is uh, pretty much the niche is to take components from all these places everywhere in your company and display them in one place. Uh, it's sort of like a batteries included uh, storybook. Uh, for those who haven't used storybook, that's basically the same thing, but you're doing your own, you, you're, you're putting together uh, a catalog sort of by yourself, technically. Um, so you're, 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 you're setting up all these different pages in a catalog, which is like, oh, it's, like a, you, you, it's like a little website where you can look at different components and say, yeah. ooh, that's the one I want. A storybook um, is is uh, usually, I mean, it's it's used for design systems. Yeah, uh, yeah, very common. Sure, very common. So, uh, yeah. So it, it's, um, yeah, it's. I, I think you can you can go one way, you can go the other way, mm -hmm. and I think what I'm here to say is that you can definitely go for mono repositories. Uh, there's no, there's no. Um, I mean, there, yeah, there are challenges, but they can be over overcome you can overcome those challenges yeah and uh, also when it comes to like if we go back to this statement that that collaboration has nothing to do with cold storage yes it is true collaboration has nothing to do with cold storage but you could also say that collaboration has nothing to do with the scrum framework or uh, collaboration has nothing to do with lean ux collaboration has nothing to do with mob programming or mob development yeah, I mean, you could say that. You could say that uh, just by uh, just by moving to a mono repository, it doesn't automatically mean that you will collaborate more. Or uh, if you transition from from um, uh, an agile framework or an agile methodology, uh, let's say Scrum, you're tr transitioning from Scrum to Lean UX. Um, or Scrum to, you know, Kanban, whatever. It doesn't automatically mean that you will become more agile and collaborate more. You yeah. still need these... Um, I mean, you, you, you need incentives, you know, as, as a team, as individuals, you need incentives to, to collaborate. If you don't want to collaborate, you... I mean, let's say you have a team of, of 10 people and none of them want to collaborate. It will be pretty damn hard to make them collaborate. That's just a fact, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And but um, so the thing about this is that you know, it, mm, you know, you have culture. Uh, you can uh, you can do a lot of work there. Um, but there's also another thing which you can, which monorepositories can enable you, or like which which you should actually be aiming. To, to look at uh, and that is you know what is the you know a lot of developers we sort of we we look for solutions uh, but we don't i mean we're not we're not automatically uh, in need of over engineering everything we tend to look for the easy solution first mm. uh, and if there if there is an easy solution that presents itself we are more likely to 
to go with that. Uh, so as an example, say you have a front-end repository and you're going to make a few new components for a new page. Uh, if you have an easy way to just see all the components that are currently uh, in the repository in just a top-down way, you know, just scroll straight down, you can see all of them. Uh, you, you're more bound to take those components that already exist and use them in your page. If you can't find them just in an easy way like that, if you have to, you know, literally go to each URL and, and look up components and say, hmm, that one could work uh, on, on your page. I mean, granted that your site is, is uh, not small, like maybe a bit larger. Uh, and then people uh, will generally take less often they will take that route of reusing something that's that's already exists uh, so you don't uh, sometimes you, you might you might be able to spark the right culture just by providing the right uh, like default for developers when they're going to create something new I know that was my uh, that that has been my thing. I, I have been really, historically, I'm really bad at design. <laughs> so whenever there's something that I'm supposed to make uh, as, as in, the, in the front-end world, I sort of look around and say, well, okay, what, what exists? You know, I'd rather polish something that exists uh, because I know it works better than what I'd be able to do. I know it's already compliant with UX designs. And, you know, if it's not, you know, I can I can do some updates. That's fine. That's great. Uh, I'd rather go down that road, uh, but I, I won't go down that road if it's really hard for me to find those components. Uh, I need a way to just have a brief overview of what exists, and then I'll pick what I think looks promising. And uh, we, uh, we, so, should, we yeah. should probably also mention that, William, you are in fact a back-end developer, but uh, <laughs> there was no one around to fix the UI, so you had to transition to front-end. <laughs> yes, and I've been happily disguised ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've had a colleague, uh, colleague maybe one, uh, who said it at least out loud. Who said, uh, "William, why are you calling yourself a front end developer?" <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know what we were talking about, but it was. But I, I think it's mm, <laughs> it, it's fun to be in the front end world. I think it's actually more rare than we think to to have developers who care a lot about the UI. I think usually when I get contacted on you know uh, by recruiters, they're usually looking for UI people. I mean, sure, I have front end in my profile, uh, but they always expressly or often expressly write UI, uh, like create components. So I, I think it's actually. It's it's a skill and a, and a merit that I kind of wish I had, but I just don't. Uh, so here I am talking about tools instead, and uh, you know. Yeah. But uh, speaking of, so there's actually um, there's a couple of baseline things that I'd like to cover regarding monorepositories, uh, which I want to sort of I want to sort of uh, legitimize those that as real issues mm -hmm. uh, before you go off and say, oh, monorepositories are great. Uh, uh, and uh, so th there are a few classics that usually gets brought up and um, so there are uh, when you have a big repository uh, you, you want to build that you know when you ship something right so doesn't that mean I mean the, the, the first question on people's head is usually doesn't that mean that we have to build everything in the code all the time uh, and it's going to get slower and slower and slower and it's going to get unbearable and we're going to get these 
timed deploys every day because people can't build so much at the same time. It's going to be slow. Uh, and and the thing is, this is a re very real issue. Um, you can solve this issue, though. There are multiple ways to solve this issue. But um, historically, uh, at least in the front-end world, this hasn't really been available. Uh, in the back-end, I think it's been more available than people would like to admit. But I, I won't maybe focus on that. But so in, in the front-end world, uh, there's, uh, there's a couple of tools that you may have heard of. There's one called Lerna. It uh, doesn't really help you with these issues. It, it helps you with a couple things, but it doesn't go, you know, uh, it doesn't solve these scale-related issues, if you will. Um, there's a couple other tools, uh, and uh, like Basil is sort of like a, an offspring of Google's internal open source system. Uh, Basil and there's a Rush. Uh, Rush is what I have the most experience mm -hmm. with personally. Uh, and uh, the thing is, you, you can solve this issue with a couple of things. One is, well, you know, if you have this isolation between, you mean, I mean, you still have, you still have the beauty of monorepositories is that you have boundaries between the code projects, like between the components or the pages. Uh, you have one npm package for this page, one npm package for another page. Uh, so if code has changed in one of them, why not just build? The, the project that has changed you know mm. it's it's uh it's something that you can set up fairly easily uh you can use git to compare history i mean git is just a long uh it's, it's just a way to compare histories among files it's the perfect fit it's com it's super performant and you can easily check the files that have changed when you're going to deploy and just build the project that you need to actually yeah. deploy and speaking uh, of rush the, you actually yeah. built this this little rush tool didn't you yeah, there, there was a so so yeah. So Rush is actually a, it's a tool that was uh, created by Microsoft, but it's not a, like a flagship product. It's more like an open source initiative sort of yeah. thing. Uh, they had a need for it when they were developing their online SharePoint pages, uh, like you know the the Office suite online basically, yeah. uh, and then things just went on from there. Um, and yeah, so Russia has a lot of nifty things for enterprise uh, uh, use, uh, like it can handle version versioning, publishing, dependency matching between projects and a lot of fancy stuff. Uh, it's really strict too, so it's great for modern repositories, trust me. Uh, but um, the, I also made a tool for Russia, yeah, uh, <laughs> which basically it lets you run... Uh, it lets you run a couple of scripts in whatever project that you want uh, at the same time. So it's it no it's it's no like no big deal, but it's a it's a small tool that, did that you, helps. Did you open source it? I mean, we use it at our workplace. But did you open source yeah, it? Yeah, I yeah I I actually I had to go uh, through a couple of hoops inside of our organization to create the first uh, open source package for frontend. Uh, now we have several, but yeah, that was back then. And uh, so it was open source from the start. Uh, and now the I've, I think uh, three weeks ago before the holidays, uh, I, I talked to the maintainer of Rush and uh, he's with HBO now. So they have uh, actually some collaboration between the companies. That's cool. Uh, but uh, he, uh, we, we agreed together basically by, after his recommendation that we're gonna put it inside of Rush. So Ooh. Rush is, uh, yeah. So it's uh, nice. It would, yeah, when, doing the work now. When yeah. did you 
when did you talk to him? When did you decide this? This is new to me as well. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe two, three weeks ago, before the holidays. Breaking I mean, news. <laughs> yeah, breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's fun because it's going to be my first contribution to Rush, and I, I really, I think they really have the right idea for solving, you know, the enterprise issues, like the you know building things in a fast and efficient way. They already have things like incremental builds. You know, you only build what's changed. Uh, they're working on uh, this thing called, uh, I mean, kind of like build caches. So, you know, if you don't have the option to only build what you need, as what I was explaining before, mm -hmm. they're working on a feature now, which is basically a caching solution, uh, which you, you build packages and then you can store them remotely somewhere, say in Amazon S3 or whatever, and then you can re-download them when the build starts next time in case you... You're in a you're you're in an architecture that needs everything or maybe a couple things to be present every time. Then it's a very it's very wasteful to have to build that package every time, right? So it's better to download a cache. Um, so, but but you can solve basically you can solve build times using uh, logic for checking what to build. You can use uh, caching and you can you can roll your own. You can join the the Rush community. Uh, it's being worked on there. You can use another tool. I, I think Basil has support for build caches. Uh, so there, there's a couple of ways to to get around that. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think the, the one of the best things that I like about modern repositories, and it sounds like a bad thing at first, but you get a lot of issues up front. Mm -hmm. Like when you get started, you're like, okay, we have this and this and this issue. Okay, we need to solve that soon. Uh, like build times. Uh, and I really like that. It's it's it makes things more apparent that this is a pain that I'm feeling and I need to solve it. And once you've solved it, it's a solved problem. For multi repositories, it's more like yeah, I work on this portion of the company's code bases, and you know, you're kind of uh, isolated in your own little place. You might make your own little solutions for your own pains. It's mm, it it doesn't. I I, I like the monorepo way. Of doing things together, solving these issues, you know, once <laughs> instead of in all these repositories. Ah, yeah, the build times are slow. Yeah, we gotta find a new way to build things in all these repositories. You know, it's it's kind of, sounds like a bummer and a, like a, when it comes to you know learning how to contribute in a, in a company. You know. So. What are the challenges? I mean, now you stated the, the challenge about uh, build times and, mm -hmm. and and builds in general. Do do you have any more uh, of these these uh, challenges or downsides, if you want to call them that? Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned a a, a valid point by Matt there, uh, which is that uh, you know when you have a large repository, uh, some IDEs like IntelliJ and such they will have issues if they are not set up correctly to parse all the code. Uh, in, there's a reason why I prefer VS Code because it tends to be really fast when you want to search for code. Uh, but IntelliJ is uh, it's, it's, it's really smart. It's a really smart tool. Uh, it does a lot of things for you to, to, to make you productive. But the downside of that is that it does need to do a lot of more uh, code, uh, like file scanning. Uh, and it can get stuck on the infamous indexing, uh, 
for for quite some time that you need to index all the files that you have. And a monorepository can can work against that quite a bit. Uh, so you want to set up those things correctly, uh, and that that can be a challenge. I mean, you could of course just open one project in IntelliJ, not the whole monorepository uh, mm. in your IDE. That's a totally valid thing to do. Uh, it's something that I I tend to jump a lot between packages because I deal a lot with things between projects. But for certain teams, they might just want to be working on one package today, uh, mainly. You know, mm. uh, if they need to work on another thing, they'll open that in a new window, right? So that's you can get around that. But sure. So um, indexing issues with IDEs something that you might have to you know look into. There's an extension for VS Code called a monorepo something. Uh, if you use that one, it can help you more easily uh, take care of this, uh, switching between folders. Um, I don't use IntelliJ too much, so but I know that you can set up the indexing rules and you can commit that into the repository as well. So when other people open the IDE, I mean, that's my goal. It should be easy for people to get started. They shouldn't have to know all these special magical incantations to put everywhere. Uh, so... If you can check that those settings into the repository, then that's great. That, then you can solve it once, uh, which is the sort of the philosophy that I'd like to go with here. Um, mm. There's other issues which are, I mean, say that you have uh, three projects. And I mean, first of all, just if they depend on each other, you need to make sure that, you know, they get linked correctly when you work locally. Uh, Simlinks, uh, you know, they, they, when you change one, it should immediately uh, be consumed by the other package. You shouldn't have to like copy paste files across and such. Um, this is managed pretty much by any mono repository manager. This is like one of the go to first issues that you need to deal with. Uh, Rush has it, Lerna has it, uh, PMPM has it. Uh, shout outs to PMPM. Um, so th that's, that's easily solvable. Um, there's another issue which is quite interesting, which is say that you have multiple packages and they all rely on React, uh, but they rely on different versions of React. Mm. So, is that a good thing or a bad thing, Henrik? <laughs> that's a yeah. That's a delicate thing, right? So mm. that that's kind of a tough question, right? And yeah. I think the answer is some some for some companies it might matter for some packages for some companies it might matter for uh, other packages so if you rely on react i mean let's say yeah so let's just say out loud here yeah it doesn't matter who, mm. who cares if i'm using react 17 or 16 uh, but if these components that are made in this mono repository if they are supposed to be let's say that they are components i sort of uh, said that too quickly but yeah let's say they're components uh and you're going to put them on the same page, you might want them to be using this, the same version of React or expect the same version of React to exist on the page at the very least. Uh, so, uh, But in some other cases, you might have different pages and then it doesn't matter what version of React, React that you rely on. Uh, so what I can say, my personal experience here, is that you want to sort of default to everyone having the same version of certain dependencies. And if you can come up with a good con uh, case that, you know, okay, I need to rely on a different version, 
uh, of React, say, because you're making a brand new page. It's like greenfield uh, development or, or something like that. Then you can allow that as in like an express rule like or like an explicit exception that, okay, this version is now allowed <laughs> because we're doing this and this. Uh, I think that's a good practice and that's something that's inside of Rush. Uh, it's not in any other Mono Repository Manager uh, as far as I know, uh, but it, 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 it may very well be. Uh, so that's, a, that's an issue that you might run into. I mean, imagine if you have 20 packages in your Mono Repository and they all depend on all of these crazy different versions of everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you want to manage that somehow. I'm not saying you have to enforce the same version on all of these packages. Maybe you want to go the other way around. Uh, maybe one package is one site or something. Maybe you manage multiple sites. Uh, but you need to sort of think of that. That that's that can be an issue down the road otherwise. Uh, and uh, I, if, if you're not uh, going with uh, Rush, I, I would definitely recommend PMPM, by the way, mm. as a modern repository manager, because it it's kind of... Um, when things get intricate about different versions to rely on of the same package, npm and node modules folders they just they cease to be useful. Like they will have you will have so many issues if you don't uh, find a solution for this. And pmpm has a really good solution for that. So you can look up pmpm. It's basically npm, but it's uh, faster. It scales. It supports modern repositories. Uh, it's a bit more strict as well. Uh, so would really recommend that it's a bit more faster harder scooter yeah (laughs) well yeah it's it's uh it's basically um it's a really cool project i highly recommend it i mean Mm. people say that yarn and npm i mean yarn is great and such but you know hats off to pmpm really it's it's a really impressive tool Uh, and rush depends on it uh, underneath as well so so uh to wrap this all up I'm going to ask you to make this this exercise with me. I think a good idea would be for you because we all know that you you are very uh you are very pro mono repositories. Uh you have very good experience uh, working with mono repositories. So, therefore, I would like you to tell me w- when and why I shouldn't use a mono repository. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I I like this question more. I think this is a better question because it makes me. <laughs> hmm. There are cases where you where you you don't want to go for it. Um, so, I think if you don't feel, I mean, working together, uh, like trying to reuse things across a company, uh, it sounds like it's entirely a good thing, uh, but you might actually sometimes uh, become. Uh, burdened by it. Uh, if you need to ship things, uh, I mean, I hate to say this, but if you need to ship things uh, fast, <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, you need to ship them in in isolated areas, sort of. You, let's say that you're an agency and you make a lot of websites for, for other companies. Uh, maybe you don't have a need to centralize because every website you're going to make is going to be vastly different. I mean, that's maybe not the case in real life, but let's say it is. Uh, so you don't want to be going for a mono repository if you don't, if you don't run into the need to, or like if you can't see the benefit of reusing things too often, 
then that's uh, for me that's that speaks against going mon mono repository and i think um if you also you know mono repositories as i said it's a lot of issues up front and these issues they aren't related to making uh web pages uh there it's a specific set of issues which are more infra than mm -hmm. anything else and i think um it takes a certain interest to want to solve these issues in in a good way. Uh, if you're just running into the issue and you have no interest of you know working on this, like you you know you don't want to be working on it, you, you'd rather work on making uh, components or backend services, what, what have you. Then uh, it might be a lot of work for you upfront. And I've seen, um, I, I I won't say that I've seen projects fail because they went for a mono repository, but I've seen that. It took a it it took a, a tax on the team to go for a mono repository because they were following external advice rather than going with what they wanted to do themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, so you need to have people with the right level of interest to sort of want to tackle these issues. Once you tackle them, you know, it's from my personal experience, I think a modern repository has been amazing for teams to somehow still work together, despite that there are, you know, 25 developers or more, you know, they can still work in the same place and use similar solutions together and save a bunch of time, mm. uh, you know, convenience, productivity. Uh, so, but but if you don't invest in, in those, if you don't, if you're not able to invest in it, if you don't have the interest to invest in it, Mm, I, I wouldn't recommend it, I think. Uh. Okay. That's a very good, very good answer, William. I'm very pleased. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and uh, with that said, you've been listening to uh, Known Unknowns with Henrik and William. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can send questions, feedback, or suggestions on future topics through our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash knownunknowns. Just click the message button, record your message, and hit send. You can use either a computer or a mobile phone, and you don't need the Anchor app.